0: Uh, you can open up your Bibles to Philippians 1 if you have them. Uh, we have been in this series on prayer, uh, intentionally leading up to life action, uh, both to encourage us and hopefully equip us to be praying for that week, but also then more broadly to hopefully have our uh, praying be encouraged and shaped Uh, by the Bible, specifically as we look at some of the prayers of Paul. Uh, And so the the first two weeks, we looked at two of his prayers in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And this morning, we'll be looking at his prayer in in Philippians 1. Uh, We'll look at verses 3 through 11, mainly focusing in on verses 9 through 11, where his prayer is. Uh, With with having uh, an infant in our house again... Uh, I've been reminded uh, by or about how much changes happens in the first year of a child's life. Like just how much they grow and how much changes. We're, we're only a month into that, but, but even already you kind of see the, the changes happening. And as I step back and I think about, okay, what's going to change from kind of that first day that he was born until uh, he turns a year old, it's incredible to think about what changes. Uh, babies go from just kind of their heads flopping around to gaining shoulder strength and neck strength to be able to hold up their heads and move around and look at things. They go from uh, not being able to move at all to being able to roll over back and forth and then crawl and and then maybe even pick themselves up holding on to things and maybe even take their first steps. They go from uh, not really being able to do anything except cry to smiling and giggling and cooing and and maybe even saying their first words. It's it's incredible when you think about how much change and development happens that first year of a child's life. And and maybe most astounding of all is just the the physical growth that takes place. Uh, Babies grow up to 10 inches in length just in that first year. Their, Their heads grow like, I think it's up to four to five inches in circumference in that first year. And they, they triple their weight, or almost triple their weight in their first year. Now, thankfully, that growth plateaus eventually. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad I don't grow 10 inches each year. Uh, have my head expand by 4 inches and triple my weight. Uh, but for a child or a baby, physical growth is an important part of their lives. The same reality applies to followers of Christ in our spiritual lives. That growing, growing is meant to be a normal part or an important part of our lives. That, that growth may happen faster at some times, slower at some times, but growth to be like Christ or growth in holiness or sanctification or whatever word you want to attach to that is meant to be a normal part of the Christian life just as growing physically is meant to be a normal part of a baby's life. But while growth is important, it's also dependent. If, if you switch back to thinking about a baby, that baby's growth in that first year of their life is entirely dependent on someone else, like on a, on a mother or a father or someone else providing all they need to be able to grow. They don't grow apart from someone else providing what they need. And the same reality is true of our spiritual growth, growing to be more like Christ. That we are entirely dependent on God to bring it about in our lives. That doesn't mean that we don't play any role in it, but we're entirely dependent on him to, to make it happen. In, in fact, we, we can say that, that just as we needed God's grace to save us initially, So we are completely dependent on his grace to help us grow any bit at all to be more like Christ. D.A. Carson has a great quote where he puts it this way. He says, we become fruitful by grace. We persevere by grace. We mature by grace. By grace, we grow to love one another more. And by grace, we cherish holiness and a deepening knowledge of God. Praying for growth in Christ is rooted in this recognition, both for ourselves and others. That growth is really, really important. And it's utterly impossible apart from God's grace. In fact, that's really what prayer is rooted in general, to recognize something that's really important. And yet we are unable to bring it about on our own. And so this is why we see Paul praying for the Philippian believers, and I'd say all Christians encouraging us to pray as well, that we might grow to be more and more and more like Christ, as we see in his prayer in Philippians 1. And so the the big idea for this morning as we look at this passage is we pray for growth in Christ because it is important and it is a gift. Here's where we're headed this morning. We'll read Philippians 1, 3 through 11, and then we're going to look at Two reasons why we should pray for growth in Christ. Two reasons that underlie why we should pray this for ourselves and others. Uh, three ways that we can be praying this. And then one goal as we pray for growth in Christ. Uh, two, three, one. I couldn't quite get a basketball defense, but I think it's close enough. So that's where I headed this morning. Two reasons why. Three ways we might pray for growth, and then one goal we have as we pray for that. So let's read Philippians uh, 1, 3 through 11, but let me pray for us before we do. God, we, we believe that we do not live by bread and food alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. That we need your words to transform us. We need your words to be our foundation. We need your words to satisfy us. We need your words to enable us to know you. God, we, we need to hear from you. We, we need your word that applies to every bit of our lives as Christians. And so we pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you Of God. First of all, we might observe two reasons why we should pray for growth in Christ, both for ourselves and others. And and here's the the first one. We're really just looking at verses uh, 1 6, and then a little bit at verse 10 as well. This is God's constant purpose for our lives. This is God's constant purpose. If, If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've repented of your sin, put your faith in Christ. This is God's constant purpose for your life. Philippians 1.6 says that God began a good work in us. That when God saved you and I, it was his work and he began it. And it's a work that says he's going to bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns one day, God's going to complete this work. That's why Paul says, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. One of the really, really good things about God is that what he starts, he always finishes. He's not like me, that when I start something, there's a really good chance I won't finish it, whether it's a project or a book or something else, that I'll get distracted or it will just get too difficult and I'll give up and move on. God doesn't do that. He never does that with our lives. What he starts, he finishes. But, but we might ask, okay, but what is the good work? What's involved in that good work that God started and will bring to completion? What is God doing in our lives right now? Or, or another way to ask that is, what is God's purpose in your life, in my life, as a follower of Christ, right now, moment by moment by moment by moment? This is where we can get some help if we look to Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 comes right after Romans 8.28. Uh, big surprise there. Uh, but, but Romans 8.28, I said that because Romans 8.28 is probably a verse that you've heard before. It's this great promise that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called, to, are called according to his purpose. Might say, okay, well, what, what is the good that God is working in our lives? What's He working all things together for? Well, then we might read Romans eight twenty nine, where Paul says, "For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers." What's the good? What's the purpose that God is working? in our lives, every single moment to make us more and more like his son, Jesus, to help us grow to be more and more and more like Christ. Every minute, every moment, every circumstance, every role you have, every big thing and every mundane, seemingly meaningless, small thing in your life and in my life, God is using to make us more like Christ. That's actually this incredible thing that can bring meaning to every aspect of our life or purpose to every aspect of our life. That that we might look at every single day, every single thing we face, we go through and believe God is working right now to make me more like Christ. As I go to school, as I play sports, as I do homework, in my marriage, with my kids, at my job, with the chores I have to do each week, with grandkids, with retirement, every single bit of it God has a purpose in even when we don't see it. And his purpose is to bit by bit make us more like Christ. And so that might encourage us to be praying that that's what God's doing and praying that we might see God doing that in our lives, even when it feels like our lives may be meaningless, or mundane, or full of small things. And then the the second reason why we we should pray for growth in Christ is because this is God's certain promise for our future. And if if you are a follower of Jesus, you're trusting in him, this is God's certain promise for your future and my future, that one day you will be fully like Jesus. So Paul's pointing and saying, when Christ returns, the day of Christ, not if, but when he returns, God will complete his work in us to make us like Jesus. Later on in Philippians, Paul's going to say in Philippians 3:20 20 through 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. When Jesus returns, we will be fully like Jesus. Not in the sense of us being God, but in the sense of us being perfect as humans, just as he was. Free, completely free of sin, perfect in obedience, perfect in love, trust, and worship of God. It's going to happen. That's God's promise to you as a follower of Christ. And it's a really good promise for us to cling to on the days where it feels like our growth is really, really slow. And we wonder if God's doing that. And we wonder if it's ever going to happen to cling to God's going to do it. He's promised it, it's going to happen. Now, here's where I want to see then what this promise causes Paul to do. Be, because our temptation, our tendency might be to think, okay, if this is God's purpose, and he's promised he's going to do it, then why should I pray for it? Right? Do you, you see that? Paul says he's going to complete the work. God's going to do it. So, so then we might think, well, why should I pray for it? But Paul thinks differently about this, and he teaches us how to think about it. Because notice what Paul says God's going to do in verse 6, he then prays that God would do in verses 9 through 11. Paul says that God's going to complete this work on the day of Christ. And then in verse 10, we find him playing that we might be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Do you see, Paul says, God's going to do this. So I'm going to pray right now that he's going to do it. Paul sees God's promises as a reason to pray that God might bring about those promises, not as a reason to be passive. In fact, later on in Ephesians, Paul's gonna say these words as he thinks about God's purpose and promise to make him more like Jesus, he says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's teaching us how to think and pray biblically. God's promised to do this, so I'm gonna press on with all my strength towards that. And that's going to include praying that God might do that in my life and in other people's lives, Paul's saying. God's promised I'm going to be like Christ, so I'm going to pray that I would grow to be like Christ and that others would grow to be like Christ as well. There was this uh, play this past year that the Philadelphia Eagles ran. Sorry, I know the, the loss might be a little bit raw, but there was this play that they ran this past year that was almost unstoppable. In fact, I think it might have been unstoppable. I don't know that anyone ever stopped them. It was a play where they got to fourth down and there was one yard to go. And they would line up and they'd have all their big offensive linemen right on the line. And then their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, right behind the offensive line. And then behind him, they'd have two other players. And and it'd be interesting. You'd hear commentators say when this play came around, they're like, the the other team knows what's coming, but they can't stop it. You, You just can't stop it. Because they would hike the ball The offensive line would push forward, making way for Jalen Hurts, and then the two players behind him would push him forward so that he gets the first down. It was like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. But you never once, if you watched, saw Jalen Hurts just pick up the ball and kind of stand there passively, waiting to be pushed. You saw him, with all of his strength, pressing on to get to that first down marker. He knew, okay, but it's going to happen, and I'm going to press on towards it. That, that's the imagery we have, I think, of what Paul's doing in these verses. saying, God's, God's going to make us more like Christ. If your faith is in Christ, God's going to, going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to complete it. So press on, press on, press on. Make this your prayer. Make this your goal that day by day, you and I would grow to be more like Christ. I might say, if this is God's constant purpose and his certain promise, then we should be encouraged to pray along with that or pray in line with that, that God might do it. That we might pray this for our kids more than we pray for any type of success in this life, more than we pray for a good career, more than we pray for a good college, more than we pray for health, and all those things aren't necessarily bad to pray for, that we might pray, God, first of all, help them to know Christ and then make them more like Jesus in everything they do. Make them more like Christ. It's a it's a, pray we, a prayer we can pray for ourselves day by day by day. God, make me more like Jesus today. Make me more like him that others might see him in me. It's a prayer we can pray for others in the church as we pray for lots of other things for people too, but to be praying, God, God make others more like Jesus that the world might see Jesus in us. We talked a little bit about this last week as well. We might ask them, okay, but how could we, How can we be more specific in praying that for ourselves and others? And that's where I think we can point out in verses 9 through 11, three ways that we might pray for growth in Christ, or three ways we can pray for growth in Christ. Paul says in verses 9 through 11, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We might first of all pray for an abounding love, a love that abounds more and more and more. If ever there is someone who abounded in love, it is Jesus. Jesus was Love in the flesh, because he was God in the flesh. And we're told God is love. He, he came to this world to serve, to love, and to lay down his life so that sinners might find forgiveness in him. He, he is the perfect image of what love is. Yet as his followers, our love is so often weak and deficient. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but one of the things, when I look at Jesus and I see and recognize just how loving he is, I'm almost immediately confronted then with just how unloving I can be. I gotta see that gap immediately. And that's where it's really good to then be reminded of the gospel and that God saves me, not because of how loving I am, but because of what Christ has done on my behalf. But also we would ask, well, what do I do when I see that gap? And I recognize, and I I have lots of room to grow in loving other people. Well, we we can pray for that, just as Paul does, that we might abound more and more in love. That love for others might more and more be the thing that marks us and sets us apart as followers of Christ. And, And notice Paul prays that this love would abound with more and more knowledge and discernment. This can be referring to the fact that we need to have knowledge of other people to know how to best love them, but it also seems to be referring to the fact that we need to have knowledge of God and specifically knowledge of his love in Christ to be able to love other people well. Paul Paul isn't praying for us for some abstract sense of love. He's praying for a Christ-like love. And the only way for us to reflect a Christ-like love is to know Christ's love. Paul's going to go on later in Philippians 2, 5 through 11 to give, this a, give us this incredible picture of Christ's love for us. That he gave up the highest spot, the spot of authority and honor and glory and perfection to come and live in a world full of brokenness and h- sinful human beings. To be one of us, yet be without sin. And not just to live with us, but then to go to a cross to die for us. Not just to die for us, but to die in the most humiliatingly shameful way possible so that we might be forgiven and find life in him. That, that's the love Paul's playing would abound more and more and more. A love that serves others, puts others ahead of ourselves, sacrifices for others, and, and points others to Jesus. And to grow in that type of love, we not only need to know that that's how Jesus loves, we we need to experience that that's how Jesus loves me, that that's how Jesus loves you. Because to grow and abound in love, we we need to be immersed in Christ's love for us. It's not just this thing that we kind of set out, grind our teeth, we're going to grow in love, but it's the more and more we, we we recognize and experience and know Christ's love for us the more and more we then abound in that love for others. We, we have these things at home. Uh, I was going to bring them along today, but I forgot to, that are called water beads. And if you have kids in your house, you've probably seen these things before. Maybe you hate them because they get lost and kind of get under everything. But, but water beads are these fascinating things where they're really, really small beads. A- and then when you put them in water, you immerse them in water, they start to grow they start to expand. They start to abound, you might say, because they absorb the water and and they grow in size, taking the, the form of water on themselves. And yet if you take them out of the water and you dry them off, then they shrink back down to size. The same reality exists for us in being able to love like Christ has loved us. The more that we are immersed in his love, the more that we know how great his love is for us, the more we experience his love, the the more we then abound in love for others. And when we forget Christ's love, or we ignore it, or we think we don't need it, the more our love for others tends to shrink up. And so over and over and over again, we need to be immersed in Jesus' love for us if we want to abound in love for others. This is where this prayer connects with last week's prayer. That we might pray, God, help me to experience the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Help me to know it more, experience it more. And then right along with that, so that, God, I might love others just like he's loved me. So that I might love my coworkers like Christ has loved me. My friends like Christ has loved me my spouse, like Christ has loved me, my kids, like Christ has loved me, my, my neighbors, like my enemies, like Christ has loved me, that when they see me, they might see Christ's love coming through. And love is something we never reach the point and we think, I've made it. I've made it. I don't have to grow anymore. There's always more and more and more room to grow. And so we could pray, God, help me to abound in love. Help others to abound in Christ-like love. Second, that we might pray for discernment of what's best. This is connected to Paul's prayer for love, but, but maybe hitting at it in a different way. Paul prays that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. That, that phrase, approve what is excellent, can, can also be translated, understand what really matters and discern what is best. Growing to be more and more like Christ, we might say, is not just about the difference or it's not just about knowing the difference between what's bad and what's good. It's also about knowing the difference between what's good and what's best with our time, with our money, with our skills, with our gifts in every aspect of our life. When you go out to eat, you might think of it this way. When you go out to eat, you're handed a menu and you've got a lot of options and you've got to choose one of those options, and you're trying to decide, what is the best option on this menu? Now, if you're like me, you can uh, remove several, a lot of the options pretty quickly as bad options. Uh, usually, the salad portion gets removed for me pretty quickly. The, the pasta portion, I'm not a huge pasta guy, so that gets taken out. Uh, all the things that's over a certain price limit, that gets X'd out as well. But I'm still left with like three to five really good options. Maybe a pizza... Uh, The burger, maybe tacos or fish and chips. Like I'm left with these, uh, all these look good. And in that moment, I've got to decide, okay, which is best? I can only choose one, which is best? Now, when I'm making that choice, when I'm out to eat, I'm being guided by, okay, what am I feeling in the moment? And what am I craving? Like I'm being guided by my own wants and desires. Paul is praying that as we go throughout this life, And face choices, not not on menus, but face choices with how we use our time, how we use our money, how we use our skills, over and over and over again, that we might be guided by love for Christ and love for others to choose what is best. I I just think about it in this way. How how do we use our time? When I come home from work in the evening, how do I decide whether I'm going to sit on the couch, turn on TV, and half pay attention to my family, but really just kind of like relax, or whether I'm going to get down on the ground, be fully invested with my son, focus on him, spend time with my wife. How do I decide? It's not that the former one is obviously, this is a really bad thing. But if I'm being guided by love for Christ and love for others, that, then I, I'm able to say, okay, but this is better. This is better to give up my wants to serve and love others. Right? As, a, as a high schooler, you might think, how do you decide how you use your time over summer? Whether you work all summer long or... or Maybe you, you take a week off of work to go and serve on a missions trip. How do you decide? Well, it's not that working is bad, but, but maybe you might say, okay, but, but to go give up a week and love and serve others and, and grow in Christ, hopefully that, that's better, so I'll do that. As, as you might approach, approach retirement, how, how do you choose what to do with maybe some of the extra time you might have? How do you decide, okay, well, what am I going to do with this time? As we approach Sunday morning, and even though it's just this time of gathering together, how, how, do, you, how do you approach this? Do, do we gather just thinking, what's in it for me and what can I get out of it? Not that that's a, a bad thing necessarily, but do we also gather thinking, okay, but, but how can I love and serve others and focus on others? How, how do you use your money? how to use your gifts, how to use your talents, how to use your skill. Paul's praying that day by day, we might be guided by a love for Christ and love for others so that we might approve, discern, choose what is best. And that's a decision we make over and over and over and over again. That's the reality of growing like Christ often happens far more in the little decisions than it does in the big decisions. And so we can pray day by day by day, God, help me to grow to be like Christ today, to, to choose what is best, guided by his love for others. And then thirdly in this prayer, to pray for Christ-like character. Paul prays that we would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Or the NLT puts it this way, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This seems to be another way of what Paul refers to in Galatians 5.22 as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know anyone who looks at that list and thinks, I don't want those things. Everyone who looks at that list thinks, I want more joy, I want more peace, I want more patience. I want more gentleness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. But we are helpless to produce those things in our own strength. Paul says it's the fruit that comes through Jesus Christ or, or the fruit that comes by the power of the Spirit. And, and so we, 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 should, we, we can be encouraged to pray, God, help me to produce this fruit, fruit of a Christ-like character that when others see me, that they see more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, because they might see Jesus in me. Part of how we grow to be more like Jesus is in spending time with him as well. Knowing him, knowing his word, worshiping him, delighting in him more and more. And then as we do, his character gets reflected through us. This is part of why I love that Paul uses the metaphor of fruit. It's a great metaphor in so many ways, but one of the ways it's a great metaphor, I think, is how does a tree produce fruit? Well, In part, by taking in the right amount of sunlight and the right amount of rain so that fruit might be produced. How do we grow in a Christ-like character? In in part, by beholding Jesus, who he is, what he's done, his love, his power, his grace, his goodness, and, and that more and more we become transformed to be like him. In fact, Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. The more we behold him, the more we become like him. Let me just point out two things there really quick though as well. Don't grow discouraged by slow growth in your life. Usually we grow very slowly and it's tempting to give up praying for that growth because like I just don't see it. but but growth is this lifelong process where God is making us more and more like Christ. Don't grow discouraged just because it's happening slowly. And, And then the second is that when you see that gap between who Christ is and who you are, it should be a thing that drives you and I back to the gospel again. That rather than saying, oh, man, I'm just so horrible, I can't, like, I'm not like, it should drive us back to the gospel again. To Remember, Jesus is the source of our salvation. He's the source of all our growth. God doesn't love us because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And then we might pray again that God would still grow us to make us more like Jesus. Last thing, one goal we have as we pray for growth in Christ, that God would be glorified by transforming us to be like Jesus. Paul prays everything we just talked about with the end in verse 11, the end goal being the glory and the praise of God. The goal in us becoming more and more like Jesus is that God would be praised and glorified as he transforms us. Because the, the source of transformation in our lives is ultimately the one that receives the praise and glory. The source of transformation is the one that gets pointed out. You, you've seen this before. I'm sure you've seen this before. If, if you've watched TV at all, you've seen weight loss commercials. And this is kind of a weak way to put it, but we'll put it this way anyway. You've seen weight loss commercials, a- and what do they do? They tell a certain story, right? Someone comes on, and they tell a story. I used to be a certain weight, but but then I lost 25 pounds, or 50 pounds, or 100 pounds. And then then they tell how their life has changed. But the commercial doesn't end there. It ends by pointing to the source of the transformation, right? Whatever diet or pill or supplement, that's what gets highlighted. They give a story and then use that story to highlight the source that's behind the transformation. Our lives are meant to be like commercials that advertise just how glorious our God is as he transforms us over and over and over again. We we don't pray that we would grow to be more like Jesus so that other people would see us and praise us and say, wow, you're a really nice person. We pray to grow to be more like Jesus so that then God gets glorified as the one who transforms us and makes us more like him. we we should look for opportunities to tell the stories of how God has transformed us. If the end goal in transformation is that God will be praised and glorified, then we should look for opportunities to tell the story of what he's done. To be able to say, I want to tell you what God's been doing in my life. I want to tell you how he's been at work. I want to tell you how he's changing me. Will likely seem scary. Will likely feel really uncomfortable. And yet is a very powerful way to give praise and glory to God as the one who's making us more and more like Jesus. And, and so we, we can pray and think even as we head into the week of life action. And you've already heard some stories from the past time. But, but to be praying and thinking, God, we, we want stories from this week to spread and multiply of how you've transformed us to be more like Jesus so that you might get all the glory from what you've done among us. I, I quoted D.A. Carson at the beginning of this message. And it's interesting to me that as he looks at this prayer, he says essentially what Paul is praying for is revival. That as Paul prays this prayer, what he's praying for is revival. He says what, what he is doing is praying for a revival. For if true revival is a work of God, if transforming and discerning love that enables believers to approve what is best is at the bottom the fruit of God's work in our lives, if true righteousness is a fruit that comes through Jesus Christ, then however much God may use means, the means themselves do not guarantee anything. Only God can produce transformation. Only God can grant a revival. So it is urgent that we ask God to work in us, It is vital that we learn to pray this prayer with Paul. We we might think of it in this way as well. There are certain times in someone's life where that person goes through growth spurts. You know what I'm talking about? We refer to this, where, where they grow more rapidly than they normally do, where the growth is more evident and clear and obvious than at other times. Part, part of what we might be praying as we head into life action and even beyond that is that God might cause a type of spiritual growth spurt. Often our growth in Christ happens very slowly. And that's okay. That's just how God works. But we also believe God has the power to move in such a way where that growth can happen rapidly in such a way where he gets all the credit for it because we say there's no other reason this happened than that God has done it. And so we, we can be praying, heading into life action, that God might cause us to grow in such a way that week that it's obvious beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's the one who's done it and that he might get the glory and the praise from it. So let's pray for that even now. Father, we, we want to be more like Jesus. Yet we recognize the type of gap there is between our character, our love, our obedience, and who Jesus is. And so we're so grateful for the gospel that you save us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, because of what he's done for us. But God, we also want to grow. We want to grow to be more and more like Jesus, to have his love abound in us, to be able to discern what's best with our lives, to reflect his character more and more. And, and we recognize the only way that that happens is through your grace by a work of your spirit. And so God, would you bring about a growth spurt in us? A growth spurt where, where even in one week, we get transformed to be more like Christ and then stories of your work of transforming us spread and multiply, and and we get to over and over again say, look at how great our God is because of what he's done among us. God, will you be gracious to do that? I pray this in your name, amen.